0: Hi, welcome to the Understanding Immigration Podcast. I'm Sherry Rendell, Ferris Director of State and Local Engagement, with Susan Tully, Ferris Law Enforcement Manager, and joining us is special guest, Sheriff Mark Lamb. Sheriff Mark Lamb took office in 2017, and he serves as the 24th Sheriff of Pinal County, Arizona. And to know Sheriff Lamb, you know that he is truly America's Sheriff. Sheriff Lamb firmly believes in enforcing the rule of law and has been at the forefront of holding the line against the Biden administration's immigration policies. He's been a leader fighting to secure our nation's borders, fighting against the cartels and human trafficking, as well as drug trafficking, particularly fentanyl, which has been pouring across this country's southern borders. Welcome, Sheriff.
1: Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, Susan. Glad to be on. Uh, two great women right here that do a lot for America and obviously uh, for for fighting this immigration uh, crisis we're dealing with here in this country.
0: Well, we're happy to join with you and it's been a real privilege. Penal County is not on the border. Will you please tell our listeners where it is and how the border impacts you?
1: Yeah, we're what's called a two, tier two county, which means that we're one county off the border. Um, We belong in the Tucson sector of Border Patrol. So Tucson sector is going to be Cochise County, Santa Cruz County, a small county right on the border where Nogales is, Pima County, and then right above that is Pinal County. Um, Part of it is a lot of, we have a Native American reservation on the south end of our county that belongs in our county, then Pima County. That reservation actually goes into Mexico. So it's on both sides of the border. And that is where we deal with a lot of issues, especially during like the Trump administration, where they had done a a good job of shutting down the ports and the border. We saw a lot more uh, traffic through the desert areas. And uh, that is where we come in. Now, Pinal County becomes the choke point for everybody that's going to Phoenix. So I would we're getting into a lot of stuff and I'll just throw this out there and we can touch on a lot of this later. They estimate that 50% of the drugs that come into America come through Arizona's borders. I would say that about 90% of that probably makes its way through Pinal County at some point. Coming up either the I-10 or one of the other highways, It they to get to Phoenix, they have to make their way through Pinal County. And so we become very important logistically. Border Patrol recognizes that which is why we're such an integral part of the Tucson sector. And even though we're a tier two county, we're treated like a tier one county, even though we're not on the border. So I know that's a lot to digest. We can dive into a lot more of that after, but.
2: Well, Sheriff, the the July numbers are in. Uh, They are 245,286 people, which is a sharp rise, despite the fact that it's the middle of summer. Uh, not only are they higher than July of um, 2020, but higher than June of 2023. So despite the administration's abuse of using parole and the uh, CBP One app, what have you seen? Have you seen an influx over the past month or so? And what uh, what are your deputies encountering?
1: Well, absolutely we've seen an influx and you you talk about this administration. They purposely did away with Title 42 in May, knowing that June and July would likely be down months, which is historically what happens because of the heat. We see a decrease. But unfortunately, that backfired on them. They played it up for a couple of weeks and then it just kind of disappeared in the media. The reality is we're seeing more numbers now than what we thought we would see. Even the the removal of Title 42, even though it's been hot, we're still seeing a real huge influx. We're seeing a lot more people being pushed back through the desert because title eight is in place. Here's a little quick little title 42 is about health. So if you had COVID or you had scabies or tuberculosis, that title 42 is designed to stop people. And you can turn them back away really quickly with title 42 title eight is what we use for it is what border patrol uses for immigration. Now, Here's the difference. If you get caught under Title Eight and they send you back, you have a five year so that you cannot try to come back into this country. And so when you get that, you see a lot more people engaging with the cartels even more to try to be trafficked through the desert areas, especially people from like Mexico or Guatemala the, that, that can't claim asylum that easy. They're going to go through and pay the cartels more money to get pushed through the desert the danger of that is we're starting to find more and more people in the deserts that are dying. I think in the month of July across the southern border was sixty something people that died. Um, Twenty-eight, I think, were in the in the Tucson sector. Um, you mentioned the two hundred forty-five thousand. Uh, the Tucson sector comprised of over forty thousand of those apprehensions. The godaways we tend to have between about ten 000 and twenty thousand godaways a month. And Susan, you nailed, and this will be my last point, you nailed it when you talked about the CBP-1 app. These numbers are those numbers, and they're not even taking into consideration the people who are abusing or using the CBP-1 app. So if you took those numbers and threw them on top of the apprehensions and all of the uh, gotaways, those are astronomical numbers for this time of year, uh, historically, especially in a July, hot July.
0: Thank you, Cher. Sheriff, you mentioned that Arizona, unlike other areas of the southern border, they're actually trying to remain undetected. What are you seeing as far as the impacts of car chases? I know you mentioned the, the number of deaths, but talk to us about car chases and, and who's coming down to help these individuals and that type of thing.
1: Yeah, and Susan, I had answered asked that before, how's it impacting Pinal County? And that is one of the places that it's impacting us, is the vehicle chases. So the cartels, they went from making $500 million a year and, and under the, pre, the previous administration, the Trump administration, to now making $13 billion a year. Now, while they may have increased their drug flow into this country, that is primarily that the change in the income, the money they're making has been off of what we term as bodies. These are the people that they're trafficking into this country. The, the the people that they're encouraging to come and take advantage of are really weak immigration policies under this administration. And so we're just seeing a huge flux of people coming in. And so what we see in Pinal County um, are the people that are being trafficked that have come across the border, the cartels brought them in. Now the cartels are enlisting teenagers and other Americans or people that live in America. They're paying them $1,000 a body or $1,000 per person to pick them up from counties like mine or Cochise County and drive them into Phoenix. And that's where we come in. We have had a 377% increase in the last two years of vehicle stops involving human smuggling. We have had a 461% increase in traffic stop or pursuits involving human smuggling. Um, If we were out there, if I had enough resources to apply it every day, we would probably have one to two pursuits a day right now of people running from us putting not just their lives at risk, ours, and the people on the roadways, but those people that are in their cars that have been, uh, that the cartels are paying to be trafficked up to Phoenix. They're also putting those people's lives at risk as well. Not to mention we've had a 600% increase in fentanyl coming across. So you talk about how it impacts Pinal County. That's how it impacts us. Not only that, I spend most of my my aviation resources are spent in conjunction with Border Patrol, assisting Border Patrol in their mission, going into the deserts, looking for the people that the cartels have left behind or left for dead, going out and looking for those huge groups, which we saw a group that Border Patrol said they had a group a few weeks ago, 250 people in Ajo, Arizona coming through. That is a that is a ginormous group. So this is the things that we're dealing with now. I would say primarily traffic stops and vehicle pursuits is the biggest thing here in Pinal County.
2: Well, Sheriff, and, and we know that fentanyl and uh, other drugs are pouring across the border from Mexico. Uh, and a lot of those, most of those drugs come into Arizona. Arizona always been the drug trafficking for the most part. Uh, Texas people trafficking, but now we have a mix of all of it everywhere. But still, uh, those those drugs are going to stash houses and other places just north of you in Phoenix. So can you, and then being distributed throughout the US, what can you tell us about this and the work that you do on that uh, and, and just, you know, educate the, the public? On this yeah, issue.
1: absolutely. I mentioned before that 90% of the drugs in America are coming through Arizona's borders right now. And it's probably even a little bit higher than that now. A lot of that is fentanyl. You know, fentanyl has become the, the one of the biggest drugs that the cartels are pushing in. But we're still seeing methamphetamines. It's, Arizona, I think meth is still one of the leading causes of death in Arizona is still methamphetamines. Fentanyl, obviously, is a big part of that. And the cartels are putting fentanyl in all the drugs whether it's methamphetamine, cocaine, heroin, marijuana, they're putting those drugs in there because they want people to be addicted the first time they use any type of drug. Fentanyl is now, the the DEA in a meeting we had just a few weeks ago said that they are purchasing fentanyl here in Arizona as cheap as 25 cents a pill right now. I mean, you think about a young kid taking $20 out of his parents' wallet or grandparents' wallet and then going out into the street and buying, potentially buying you know, 20, 30, 40 pills, maybe even more um, with a $20 bill. And then 75% of what the DEA is recovering as far as fentanyl is now lethal doses. So you might say to yourself, well, it's a losing cause, Sheriff, you're not stopping it all. Well, let me put it into perspective. When you think about 75% of those pills being lethal, and then we go back and talk about our numbers, In 2018, Pinal County had zero, my agency, just my agency, not any of the other state troopers or any of that. We had zero M30 fentanyl pill seizures. In 2019, we had 677 pills. In 2020, we had over 200,000 pills. In 2021, when this administration took over, that jumped up to 1.2 million pills. Last year in 2022, we had 1.4 million pills. And I, I I would expect that we will eclipse that this, again this year. So you think about the potential lives that we save just taking those pills off the streets, and that is not even a drop in the bucket as to what the cartels have brought into this country. And uh, you know, some people will say, well, sheriff, it's a it's because we have people that are addicted to it. The demand is causing the drugs brought in. And I said, yeah, that's true but you can't mop the bathroom floor until you turn the tub water off either. And so you can try to address addiction issues in this country with programs and all that as much as you want. But if you don't shut the faucet off the tub water, it's just going to keep overflowing and we're going to never get on top of the issue, which is why I'm so passionate about stopping that, you know, in my own family, my own son um, fell into it as well. Fortunately, he didn't die from it. We were able to get him clean. Um, and he he's one of the few that, that was able to make it out of that. Um, but there are a lot of families that weren't so lucky and they lost their loved ones. And here's the worst part. The federal government doesn't, they're not the ones that have to pick up the pieces. They let it in. And then guys like myself and other law enforcement agencies, local law enforcement agencies, were the ones that get the calls for service when the 15-year-old girl is found dead in her bed or their daughter is dead at the bottom of the shower those are the calls that we get and we have to explain to families why this got into their their loved ones hands um when the federal government failed to secure our southern border
0: it's heart-wrenching and you mentioned the cartels controlling the border one of the things we've kind of known is that they decide who gets across and when and they're very adept at adapting to situations presented to them. And this administration seems to be giving them a golden platter. What can you say about the cartels to our audience and how they're operating and how it's changed since the Biden administration took office? I know you mentioned the human trafficking, but other details would be great as well.
1: Well, look, they're taking advantage. They use the children as pawns Um, they, they rape the women, uh, and then they oftentimes end up in the sex trade here to pay off their debts to the cartels. They extort the men and some of those men are raped as well. Um, you know, the children, there was 92, uh, just a month or so ago, there was 92,000 children that had been unaccompanied minors caught here at the border or that turned themselves in 92,000 last year was 150,000. We'll probably hit somewhere in that same area this year. Because for, for all the listeners out there, Border Patrol goes from October to, to September. And so we'll probably see those numbers close to 150,000 again. The sad thing is that the government doesn't know where 85,000 of those children went. They returned them back over to the hands of the cartels. So when you talk about what are, what is it that we're seeing, we're seeing the trafficking of humans, which ultimately ends up, in sex trafficking here in America whether it's the children whether it's the women we're seeing extortion with the men and the women um and these are all things that i don't know people talk about the humane thing is to open the borders no that is the most inhumane thing you can do because the cartels are taking advantage of that and if you don't think that this is controlled you know why we don't see 500,000 people because the cartels can handle 240,000 people remember They are a funnel on the other side of the border to make sure that everybody pays their dues to the cartels. So their capabilities are only so much. They can only, they're probably at max capacity of letting people in. And we still see those numbers hitting 240, 250,000. If there was no cartel, um, frankly, they probably wouldn't be as attracted to come because the cartels are marketing it. But you can see numbers as high as 500,000, 600,000. But the cartels have to make sure that everybody pays, which is why you still see it as somewhat of a controlled number sitting around that 250000 um, mark every month because the cartels making sure they profit off of every single person that comes across.
2: Well, and so to that point, Sheriff, uh, people are paying anywhere from $8,000 a person to as high as fifteen dollars for normal, and some, depending on where they're coming from, might be paying upwards of over twenty. dollars Thousand dollars to the cartel. So we don't control the border, but the cartel does control the border. Those people don't all have that money up front, which means that after they've arrived here, gotten a job, they have to pay off that debt. So, um, I mean, I see that as these are extended employees now of the cartel. Every person who comes through that border uh, is indentured now to the cartel so they are therefore uh, an employee extension of the cartel um, can you expand on that and I, I mean you know yeah so the people understand we, this there's a, a connection from then on with every individual that's coming through and the cartel
1: absolutely we had a stop the other day where the car you can see it on our social media where we're going to stop it and the car runs from us right off into the desert and we chased off into the desert you see me get out of the car and the driver and the passenger who were the, uh, who are the mules, obviously working for the cartels, they run off into the mountains. Um, and then we're left there with the people. So in that car was two women, a child and a man. And one of the women said that she had paid, uh, 6,000 cash. The other one did not pay cash. She got charged 13,000. And I asked her, I said, how are you going to pay this? Are they, you going to have to work it off for sex or whatever. She said, oh, no, no. And I said, you don't know the cartels. They're lying to you. So she has $13,000 bill she has to pay off. I mean, these folks, like you said, they, are bit, they have slavery, in my opinion, is probably as, as prolific as it's ever been in this country. And and, for, and this slavery we're seeing now is sex slaves and and work slaves. And it's all happening right under the American the policies of this administration are actually feeding into that um into that slavery and you talk about the cost we've actually seen as high as 50 thousand a Chinese national um, might go as high as 50 fifty thousand right now there's been um, the uh, Yuma sector uh, a month ago or three four weeks ago it had up to 3900 Chinese or excuse me 3300 Chinese. 3,900 Russians had come in. Thus far this year, 33,000 Chinese nationals have come in. Um, Of the people that are coming in are 7,000 Mauritanians. If you don't know where Mauritania is, it's in West Africa below Morocco. It has become one of the leading breeding grounds for Al-Qaeda. And of those 7,000 Mauritanians they've apprehended, um, only four of them were women. The rest of them were military-age men not claiming asylum, these are military-age men that we've allowed to come into our country. Here's the even more disturbing number of all those Mauritanians, Chinese, Russians, and people from special interest countries. Special interest countries are countries that we know as Americans can be dangerous to Americans. They are ter- they breed terrorism, they don't like America, whatever it is. Of those special interest countries, they, were pro- they are vetting 5% of those numbers. Of all those people coming in, Border Patrol, CBP One app vetting 5%. So basically we're allowing all these people to come in unvetted. Um, we don't know who they are. We don't know what kind of intentions they have, what kind of criminals they were in their own country, what, whether they're terrorists. Um, th- to me, this is the most concerning thing. This should. This to me is the greatest threat to America. Not what's happening in Ukraine, not what's happening in Taiwan and China. The greatest threat, current, present threat to American lives every day is happening at the southern border, whether it's people coming in here that are criminals or terrorists, or whether the good people are being taken advantage of by the cartels, whether it's the increased sex trade in America, whether it's the children and our loved ones and and men and women dying from fentanyl every day, which has become the leading cause of death. Um, This is the greatest threat to American lives every day what is happening on the southern border, and this administration doesn't do anything about it. Not only that, they actually will fight to keep these borders open if any state tries to stop them.
0: It is shameful what they're doing. Um, Sheriff, you're a 287G sheriff. Will you please explain the program to our listeners and also how this program has benefited your community, especially in the fight that you've been talking about?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I'm sorry my my answers have been so long, but I got so much information I'm trying to pile on to you guys. So 287G program is a program where local agencies are able to work with ICE agencies, the ICE agents. Now, there's two types of 287G programs. There's the um, removal program, which is through the jails and the prisons, and then there is the, the street removal programs. Um, we have always been a a a jail removal program, not a street removal program. And towards the end of President Trump's administration, we started to see some of those street removal 287G programs coming back. Um, Obviously that has stopped. But to give you an idea what the 287G program does, if I book somebody in, let's say they commit a crime, a domestic violence situation, um, and we bring them into the jail and we cannot verify whether they have any American status here in this country. Then what we would do is we would process them through an ICE program or through their pro- their computer system. Now, we have agents that have been trained by ICE that are that are our, our deputies, our detention officers. They've been trained by ICE to, to know what to look for. Then they are allowed to get on the computer system. Once we've determined whether or not they are legal or illegal, we will notify ICE and say, hey, this person just committed an ag assault or a murder and or a domestic violence and then ICE will determine whether they want to put a detainer on if they say they want to put a detainer on them then that comes back to us and says yes they're here illegally we want to put a detainer on them and in the past what was happening under President Trump's administration what we would see is if we had 10 people that were there with ICE detainers through our 287g program then they would say they would typically take eight of those 10 depending on the crime now if we have 10 we're lucky if they take two of them and it has to be pretty much murder or something really violent um other than that they're just releasing them back out into the communities now what it is is we're not holding them we're holding them as long as they're dealing with their state charges as soon as they're done dealing with their state charges we call ice and ice will either pick them up or say just let them go and it is so frustrating to see where now ICE is not able to come and pick them up. This administration just has us releasing most of those people out into the streets. These are people who committed crimes in this country to get here. They're here illegally. They committed a crime here. We held them accountable. And now this government is allowing them to go back into our communities.
2: Oh, Sheriff, it's overwhelming, isn't it? You've shared a, a lot lo- of information. A lot. <laughs> You've shared a lot of information with us today. Uh, and so before we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to add or anything that you'd like to say?
1: Look, this is a it's a this is a crisis down here. and I don't care you know if the media, the mainstream media doesn't want to talk about it or the politicians tried to ignore it or downplay it, this is a major problem. And if you don't think it impacts you, what happens in our backyard today will be in your front yard tomorrow. Look at New York and Chicago. They touted how they were sanctuary cities for so long and that behavior of claiming to be sanctuary cities encouraged what we're seeing on the Southern border. And now those people are finding their way to places like New York and Chicago, and they don't know what to do with it. And mind you, New York is a a city of millions of people with a lot of capabilities. And then they had no problem with small little towns like McAllen, Texas, or, or Sierra Vista, Arizona, handling thousands and thousands of people a day. New York gets a few busloads and they start to freak out. Um, there is, there is a lot of problems in this country and immigration should be at the very top of it. When you go to the voting booth this year, if, if that isn't one of your top issues, right along with the economy and, uh, right along with crime in this country, all of those things tend to be intertwined as well. Um, you're voting for the wrong things. Those should be some of the three of your top issues. Now, positive note, this is still the greatest country in the world. That's why over 200,000 plus people show up to our borders every month, because they want a piece of the American dream that you were born with or blessed with to have. And these people want it so bad that they're willing to sell everything and come here. I know most of us feel the same way. We We encourage people to come here and make a better life and to take part of the American dream. We just want you to do it the legal way. You cannot do it illegally. And as Americans, we cannot tolerate it when people do it illegally. We have to hold them accountable. It's the only way we'll be able to continue with our civilized society. It's the only way we continue with what makes America great and why people want to come here in the first place. And so it is our duty to make sure that we protect the liberty and freedom and America that, that so many people sacrifice their lives and their fortunes that we can be free. we got to do what we can to protect it because this is still the greatest country in the world, which is why I do what I do every day. I know I've given you a lot of statistics and Susan, you said it, sometimes it feels like you should just wave the white flag and say, hey, we've we've been overrun, but we won't do it. We refuse to do it. We're gonna continue to do our job, to protect our communities. And we just need the rest of the American people to mobilize and say, enough's enough. We need changes.
2: Sheriff Lamb, thank you for all you do. Thank you for joining us today on Understanding Immigration. Um, And I want to thank our listeners as well for joining us for the latest updates. Don't forget to check out our website at www.fairus.org. That's fairus.org. Thanks a lot.